0: Are you looking for a new kind of talk show, one that motivates and encourages you to follow your passions? Welcome to the Foxworth Theory with Eugenia Foxworth. You'll hear from a variety of guests from all walks of life. Now, here is your host, Eugenia Foxworth.
1: Hello, everyone. I am your host, Eugenia Foxworth, and this is my brand new show. It's about art, entertainment, fashion, and business. And we will be interviewing the movers and the shakers from all over the world, both locally, nationally, and internationally. And we will allow them to talk about their stories Our guest today is Mr. Antonio Vargas, the legendary Mr. Antonio Vargas. But at this moment, we have to go to a break. So please stay tuned and come back to the Foxword Theory.
0: There's a new podcast series coming to the Harlem America Digital Network and the Voice America Variety Channel. Yes, join host Eugenia Foxworth every Wednesday starting September 22nd at 2 p.m. Eastern for the Foxworth Theory podcast. She'll be interviewing the pioneers within art, dance, fashion, music, as well as those in business. The Foxworth Theory has a purpose, and that is to help inspire, motivate, and encourage our youth to pursue their aspirations and not let anything hold them back whatsoever. This journey of excellence and conversation begins on the Foxworth Theory, Wednesday, September 22nd at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Harlem America Digital Network and the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: Welcome to the Foxworth Theory. I am your host, Eugenia Foxworth. Our guest today is the legendary Antonio Vargas. Mr. Vargas, let's begin our journey together today. Um, First, Mr. Vargas has been appearing on stage and screen for nearly 60 years. His film debut was in Shirley Clark. The Cool World, which was done in 1963, from Black Ploitation films to Shaft, to Huggy Bear, and Starscan Hutch, and so forth, etc. I cannot continue. Please welcome my guest. As I said before, the legendary Antonio Vargas.
2: Thank welcome. you. Thank you, thank you, Eugene. Thank you for the warm welcome, and thank you for allowing me to be only your first guest on your on your show. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's it's a bit humbling, you know, to think uh, it's about sixty-one years actually that I've been so blessed to be on this journey, and now to be sharing that with uh, with audiences and people who who are who are interested in what the and the shoulders that they stand on. Uh, was I know that I'm standing on the shoulders that came before me. It's just uh, its an honor to be here with you and to uh, a little bit about my journey.
1: Thank you. But before we begin, we have to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll find out. Well, we will definitely find out more about you. And if I'm stumbling, it's because I'm so nervous. Worries. We'll be right back to the boxwork theory. Thank you.
0: Down from the bar there's a platform stage. People and pimping, sharp as razor blades. Yo, check out home, boy. How many brother out there, huh?
1: Look at the fish in his shoes. Girl, he must be a rock star. <laughs> the brother's walking on an aquarium. <laughs> Say, brother, do you get nose please? Maybe it's his
2: dinner.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's a new podcast series coming to the Harlem America Digital Network and the Voice America Variety Channel. Yes, join host Eugenia Foxworth every Wednesday starting September 22nd at 2 p.m. Eastern for the Foxworth Theory Podcast. She'll be interviewing the pioneers within art, dance, fashion, music, as well as those in business. The Foxworth Theory has a purpose, and that is to help inspire, motivate, and encourage our youth to pursue their aspirations and not let anything hold them back whatsoever. This journey of excellence and conversation begins on the Foxworth Theory, Wednesday, September 22nd at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Harlem America Digital Network and the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: Welcome back. If you're joining us now, you're tuned into the Foxworth Theory. Mr. Vargas, how are you? And how has life been treating you? Uh,
2: I can say uh, nothing but but wonderful uh, to know that uh, I've been on the planet for 75 years and to be here with you today it's already been written before I was born. And that's the wonderful thing about the journey is that I realized that it was a spiritual journey all along. And I was right where I'm supposed to be today. And to be sharing with you a little bit about my experience as an actor and as a human being, and to know that uh, today is good. Even in the world as such as it is and the way it is, it's about gratitude today, which is why I have on my cup. Be grateful.
1: Yes, and I totally agree with you, especially since you've done 50 movies, 50. My goodness, that's to date, and I know there's more to come. How incredible is that? What does that mean to you?
2: Hmm, it means that I've been incredibly fortunate and blessed and, uh, why, why I was chosen to be here today when I've seen a lot of people who are not with me today, who are part of my journey, and to have experienced uh, you know, close to 61 years of, since the, the cool world, and basically 61 years since my mother saw an ad in the newspaper when I was 13 and a half, 14. They were advertising a film called The Cool World, and they wanted young people from different neighborhoods, whatever, to come and try out for this film. And she always had this sort of idea that, that I was something that, uh, that I was kind of destined for something in, in this business. I don't know if she had an intuition or whatever it was, but she made the call and they said, okay, come on down for an audition. And that was the beginning. Uh, I was picked by Shirley Clark and, Shirley Clark and Carl Lee uh, to uh, participate in the film. I had a, a larger role in the film when I tried out for it, but I ended up doing a little bit of extra work in the film, which tapped which into my hunger. Because um, when I was 14 years old, I was this innocent-looking young, young man. They saw something in me that I couldn't see. And so when we went before the cameras, they said, you know, you weren't right for this particular part but we have this other part. And I was able to start my career in that way.
1: Amazing. Absolutely amazing. But you were destined to be there. So, how you've more or less told me how you got started, but how did you really get started as an actor? I mean, you know, that meat of acting.
2: I... uh... I had no training at all, uh, but at 14, there was a it's the beginning of a, it's like a renaissance in theater happening. Actors were coming to town, such as Robert Hooks, and he started a, a group theater workshop that I was a part of. He had a little apartment in Chelsea, in my neighborhood, and he invited us young people who didn't have any experience to find out a little bit about acting, and I th- I was sort of thinking of myself almost like a veteran because I just finished the film, but I was so young and so hungry that I gravitated to what he had to offer. And eventually that experience turned into uh, the Negro Ensemble Company. So and that was kind of the civil rights movement. So there was this whole generation, this whole energy that was sort of converging on on New York City and, and the need for, to connect with the community with through through the struggle in the civil rights, so there was so much, so much going on, and and I was just a young, young student of the of the of the game, and and then I was doing a part in. I was in high school. Uh, I went to Fashion Industries High School in New York because I, I thought I wanted to be in the, the fashion industry. Which were touching on that, but before I graduated, I was doing a role. Uh, in a play by Miri Baraka, it's called Leroy Jones back then, and it was a play called The Toilet. And <laughs> I was, and they were casting a a, a play to go to Europe, uh, Amen Corner by James Baldwin. and all of the everybody went down and tried out for the role of David, the young the young son in the in the play, and I was one of the last ones to go down, and and I got the role. So before I I couldn't go to my graduation exercise in high school actually because I had to be on a plane to Vienna to start the play to start this worldwide tour which I'll talk about uh because uh I was casting that play so my mother and dad uh went down and got my got my diploma for me while I was off to Europe and and just the jump that we, we started in Vienna, and then we ended up in Israel. And on my 18th, 19th birthday, uh, I played in Jerusalem. And we all bathed. I call it Bathing in the River Jordan, with James Baldwin and uh, 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 the wonderful cast that was in the Amen Corner. Um, we all put our feet in the water in the Jerusalem. and. Uh, in the River Jordan. And so I bathed in the River Jordan on my 18th birthday, which is just one of the highlights of the beginnings of that tour, which took me all the way, all the way to the Edinburgh Festival, up in Paris and Zurich, and five, four cities in Germany, and also three other cities in, in Israel.
1: That's amazing. And you were 18 and turned 19, and your parents are picking up your diploma. My goodness, uh, this is really, really, really history. It's, it's history that we do not know. And did you have a chaperone?
2: Uh, I was a scared young man who, who, who had mentors uh, in, on that tour, and mentors before I left, like Robert Hooks and all the uh, older actors who were uh, who were on the scene in New York, but I was on my own and mentored with uh, with Dick Ward and and uh, and the other actors who were were the seasoned professionals in the in the play, and they just took care of me, and also I just took care of myself. I was wide eyed and and enjoying all these experiences that I never thought that a kid from Chelsea. Chelsea in New York, uh, from the Chelsea Projects, could be experiencing and seeing what I saw. Uh, going into Berlin by uh, train and soldiers getting on the plane, getting on the train and looking with machine guns and walking through the cars and and, uh, and then getting in and experiencing the Berlin Wall before it, it just went up and seeing all the, the remnants of World War II. And, and also, when I was in Austria, walking across the street, and this young little uh, German girl looked at me and looked at her mom and said, "Nigger, nigger, nigger," and oh. and it was a, just to be a, the awareness of my blackness when I was there, an experience. And also in Austria, uh, after we opened, uh, after we opened, I was on, I was. In my dressing room and I was laying on my in my own dressing room and I was laying on the couch and and I I went to sleep and I heard the stage manager came and and woke me up and I had to run back on stage and, and the actress was supposed to give me a, a slap of being out late being out late uh drinking and so that, that slap was the hardest I've ever, ever, ever experienced, and it taught me to be on time and to be <laughs> in the wings and be ready, and I've always been ready ever since then. But there was just so much on that, so much on that trip, and again, it's almost 50 years, uh, close to 55, 16 years ago that, uh, that I made that trip. So a lot of it is wonderful memories, feelings, were going on and going through me at the time as I was growing up in this business.
1: But that, to me, is so so interesting. I mean,
2: Claudia, Claudia, you... McNeil. Claudia McNeil, was a star, the oh, yes. star of the play from um, *Raising in the Sun*, and uh, a wonderful, wonderful, powerful actress. And uh, I just wanted to show you that to make sure that.
1: Yes, and I'm glad that you remember. I told you you would. I told you I'm on half timers. (laughs) Half of the time I remember, the other half I don't. But your memories are beautiful. Right now, though, we have to go to a commercial break. And uh, we will be back with the Foxworth Theory shortly. So please stay with us. Thank you.
0: There's a new podcast series coming to the Harlem America Digital Network and the Voice America Variety Channel. Yes, join host Eugenia Foxworth every Wednesday starting September 22nd at 2 p.m. Eastern for the Foxworth Theory Podcast. She'll be interviewing the pioneers within art, dance, fashion, music, as well as those in business. The Foxworth Theory has a purpose, and that is to help inspire, motivate, and encourage our youth to pursue their aspirations and not let anything hold them back whatsoever. This journey of excellence and conversation begins on the Foxworth Theory, Wednesday, September 22nd at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Harlem America Digital Network and the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to The Foxworth Theory with Eugenia Foxworth. Now, back to this week's show.
1: If you're just joining us, you are going to be overwhelmed and get quite a history. Welcome back to The Foxworth Theory. And our guest today, the legendary Antonio Vargas. Now, Mr. Fargas, you have opened doors for so many actors and actresses. Who do you feel does it best these days? Who are some of your favorite actors, male and female?
2: <laughs> Not
1: political.
2: <laughs> um again because I been here so, so long to see so many actors, uh, mainly in the formative years, you know, like Susan Dyson and Adolf Caesar and Billy D. Williams, all these people who were around, who were in New York at the time. And then I knew I eventually had to get to Los Angeles and I did a play, I did a film all across 110th Street. And the director of that film, director of that film, Directed the pilot for us, but I, that's jumping ahead. So many. I mean, today, going back to Bozeman, uh, Chadwick Bozeman, and Denzel and Samuel L. I mean, just we have just a plethora of great, good journeymen as well as star actresses and actors that. Uh, you know, sometimes even hard to keep up with, but, I, but I'm just so grateful that I get to see that I was able to see what we have today and how we're accepted and what we fought through. Um, and in my own way, because of the roles, because I played a lot of character roles, They're always different, different characters. And, and going back to the uh, first film I did where I was Car Wash, I believe. And that also goes back to my childhood because I had a brother. One of my brothers was gay. And, and what I saw him go through, I was able to channel that into the, into the roles that I was given. And I was able to do another role in Next uh, Stop Greenwich Village and then a film called Ambush Murders. And then there was a book that was written uh, about, called The Celluloid Closet about actors who were doing roles, controversial roles before it became popular. And they uh, humbly included it in that, in that book. But but just the I don't even know all of the names. All I know is when I see people, when I see people of color, and that's a range of colors. When I, when I first went to television, there were very few roles for for black actors in primetime television. On the shoulders of others, like uh, Jones, of course, but uh, but so many others who were were there at the same time, and even Bill Cosby, even so. I was a door opener for a lot of people, and just kept, just kept, it just kept getting better and better as I as I went along, and I saw that that I could have an impact, that I was giving a little bit of this, a little bit of this that I was part of this history and in a, a way that I was, I never thought that I would be contributing as, but cause I just had this hunger that I wanted to get into the roles that I did and, and get deeper and deeper into the characters because I wanted to give them life, give life to those people who didn't get a chance to be leading men, leading men, so to speak, and to represent, uh, and represent uh, the characters that I did, with dignity uh, important.
1: Well, I've seen a few of your um, films because of COVID, when we were locked in, and there were films that I did not know. And I thought to myself, wow, what an amazing journey. What an amazing time. And I thought back on things that I read and I thought, uh, how did they do it right now? It's given, but it wasn't given to you then and to be successful without all the glitz and all the technology. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. And, uh, That also leads me. Oh, I wanted to ask you another question. Did you ever meet any of our our new actors and actresses? I'm not talking about Denzel Washington, but, you know, the sons and uh, daughters of some of our great uh, actors and actresses that led the way during the time that you were, you know, going forward. And
2: paving the way. Um, Marla Gibbs, her her daughter. Um, that was one. But uh, again, a lot of the people that we're that we're talking about, a lot of the actors and artists that I that I work with, they experience. You know, again, I'm seventy five. So wow. so we are. You know, we're a very few left in in the class um so oh, to see uh when I see a young person or whose whose father or or mother has been in the business or is related to someone in the business just gives me a lot of a lot of hope because uh because it is on the shoulders of the young we're passing this on to them and I hope what we pass on to them gives them the strength to do the same thing I'd say if I if I'm helping someone, and I also ask them, who are they helping? And so it's important to keep passing that baton, keep passing that the baton of hope. And like you, when I was locked down in COVID, um, I watched a lot of YouTube. I would get lost on YouTube with the music and, and all the films and the scenes that I could just watch and say, wow, you know, craft, singers, especially, I mean, all the artists that's right there because it's technology can give it to you. And so I get fulfilled just by, by letting go of, watch, not only watches my stuff, I don't even watch it. And I say, I never used to watch my own stuff. I just, just wanted to get it out there and, and leave it alone. Um, well, I guess I'm so, uh, not critical, but technical. I always try to redo something. You can't redo something like that. Once it's out there, it's forever. So this is good to be a part of, part of forever through memory. Forever
1: is a hell of a long time. And I wanted to mention, uh, ask you another question. What was your most favorite role uh. and why?
2: <laughs> oh, you know, I look at the roles that I played as, uh, as if they were my children. And it's hard to put one above the other. Uh, so I really don't have a favorite. I've done some very favorite moments in all the things I did. Sometimes the smallest role gave me the most, gave me the most, most pleasure because it was about the moments. Um, so, but the, I think I have to give how much to, uh, you know, to Huggy Bear. I have to give how much to Lindy and Car Wash. and also, because I was never, because I'm not a leading man, uh, and so I always played a, a particular flavor or pixel in the picture. And I just wanted to make my little contribution as important as, as, as possible. And sometimes what I would do is I would get the script and I would just concentrate on, on my role. And so I wouldn't worry about what was going on around me. People said, well, you were in Starsky and Hutch and, and this series, Starsky us Hutch did this and this and that, don't you remember? No, I don't remember, because I always just concentrated on what what I was delivering in the script. Oh, it's very personal, it's a very personal thing. Uh, again, I love all of the characters that I was able to play in, and to just uh, know that uh, I, could, I could breathe life into a character and make it my own, take it off the page and make it my own. And a lot of times the, uh, the directors didn't know how to direct or didn't know how to direct, how to be black or how to do a certain kind of, character, particularly the character actors because, you know, we knew how the leading men would do and how they would be. And the subtleties of that is a whole other thing that I've never touched, but the subtleties of being able to know what funky was, what uh, getting down was, what uh, what pain and pathos was. Those are the things that I felt that gave you the most about the character and what I could give to it.
1: Thank you. Now, who do you miss working with and why? I, I'm i sure there has to be one person. Well.
2: I just enjoyed the time that I spent watching James L. Jones. And we did a, a play he was starring in uh, called The Great White Hope on Broadway. And I did that character for most a year. I played an 87, 80-something-year-old man in that play. And nobody thought that this 20-something-year-old person, you know, actor, was playing this 80-something-year-old man. But just watching the magic of James L. Jones... And, uh, and his leading lady, Jane Alexander and Hector Alessandro. Um, again, going back to my first, my first play, Amen Corner, second play, Amen Corner that I toured Europe with, and with, with Dick Ward and Cody McNeil. Things I can't recapture again, but I can live and relive those, those wonderful moments that I didn't even know how powerful they were. When it was when it was happening, but I can in retrospect. I can see, and also the traveling in in Europe with with uh, James Bowen and uh, and Roscoe Lee Brown. Uh, it's just just wonderful memories, uh, and uh, and also the my legendary mentor Robert Hooks, who uh, mm-hmm. shared so much of his life and his journey because he, he holds so much of the, the shoulders of, of the history of, of black theater and television and film, and, and watching his son, Kevin Hooks, going back to young people, sons and daughters of old of that in our history. Son, Kevin Hooks, who was a great director and, and, um, and show uh, great director and producer, So those are the things that have mean the most to me today.
1: These are wonderful, wonderful memories. And um, when you said 75, I know that you've done all these films, but you lived an amazing life because it's within you and it's showing now. And I'm just just so honored now right now as usual we have to take a break and we will come back shortly to the foxworth theory and the continuation with the legendary antonio fargas thank you i mean i mean
2: Abdullah, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you know where I'm coming from. Revolution is the anti-my brain, right? Right. I'm gonna let you. You know that
0: revolution you keep talking about all the time? When it happens, and it's gonna happen, then you're gonna be working here for real, and not just playing around, splashing in the water. You understand? We get a chance to run your white ass, and y'all get a chance to <laughs> sing "We Shall Overcome" in Chinese. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's
0: not what I meant. Look, I'm so tired of you running off at your mouth that's getting me down, honey. Why don't you just leave? And be an assassin. Cause the only thing you're good at shooting off is your big mouth.
2: Would you please get out of my face, you sorry looking faggot?
0: Oh. Who you calling (laughs) sorry-looking? Can't y'all see that she ain't funny? She's just another poor example of how the system has a destroying
2: our men. Honey, I am more man than you'll ever be, and more woman
0: than you'll ever get. (laughs) All (laughs) right, all right. You are listening to The Foxworth Theory with Eugenia Foxworth. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Welcome back to The Foxworth Theory and our legendary Antonio Vargas. Now, to continue this wonderful conversation that I do not want to end, but eventually it will, so I'm just getting to it now. There's so much that it's just holding me. What were some of the favorite roles from when and you were at your peak? During the period you were at your peak? Hmm. And. Please say the date because that's something
2: that I'm <laughs> sure our audience would like to know. Well, you told your age, so you can. Uh, but numbers, <laughs> I, I can remember how old I am, but no exact. You said
1: day. it. <laughs>
2: the date I, I did a, a project. It's just, a, you know, there was the '60s, the '70s, the '80s, and right up until now, um, '90s, of course. Um, but each each period had its had its moments and um, highlighted by knowing that every role and every job that I got, it was something that was also meant, meant to be. Um, I guess you could say, because it's the most powerful media we have medium we have in the world is television. And now because of streaming, it's even more powerful, the internet and all that, but, but uh, to, be, to be known for a role, after 61 years, but we known for the four years that I did in Starsky and Hutch, the character Huggy Bear, which started in 1974, 75, and ended in 79. We did five, four seasons, actually, and it seemed like it went on forever, but to be syndicated in over hundreds of countries and to go around the world and see um, where, where I'm known in Italy, Germany, Jer- Greece, wherever. Uh, and the, on the continent, in Africa, African continent, the motherland, uh, the Caribbean, and to be known for that. But now all of the roles, because everything is on streaming now. So um, so my whole life experience can be, you know, if you wanted to have, uh, spend time with Antonio Fargas, you just have to look up what the roles that I did and uh, you, can, you can pretty much capture or, spend some time with uh, on that journey but and what like I spend on the journey with my fellow actors uh I can't say exactly I know theater has been a most important part because theater is the theater is the um is the well where it all starts from before there was anything you know, more television there was theater so theater is very dear to my heart the Time that I spent on stage and mostly in New York, and then also around the country, and then also in Europe. Uh, a, during the play that I did at the Edinburgh Festival, Amen Corner, the uh, producer of the Beatles, uh, Brian Epstein, saw the play, heard about the play in Edinburgh, and invited us back to play on the West End uh, in the theater that he had purchased, or the Savile Theater. So at 19, I was playing on the West End in, uh, in London, that was the time when the Beatles came out with their movie, Help. Um, so that was, a, that was a precious time. Uh, and then also, of course, in New York theater, and, and then again, going back to Europe and being in a play, the uh, August Wilson play, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom it, uh, in um, Manchester, England, uh, and toured all over England with another play called The Blues Brothers, ranking Cab Calloway, Cab Calloway role. Um, just so many, so many, so many precious, precious memories uh, of this journey that I uh, wish we had more time. We could even share more. But with the, with the time that I'm spending with you and just in going through this. And, and I just want to thank you, number one, for. For having the, the courage and the um, the foresight to join the podcast, the podcast world, and and to be with you, it's a normal show is creating another precious memory, and, and I thank you so much for all, for all you've given. and
1: now, well, I thank you because this is a gift to me from you, but uh, you um. Well, we all love Starsky Hutch. I mean, I'm sure everybody called you Huggy Bear. But um, how did you get how did you get that role?
2: Oh, uh, see, again, I uh, I heard about a film that were casting in New York, and and in New York we used to, we were such a tight family of actors that if you got a, if you went up for a role and you had friends you knew about if you didn't get the role and you hope that your friend would get it. And so we, so I met with some friends and we went down to a, for a film about uh, called across 110th street. And the director of that film, his name was Barry Shear. Uh, it was with Anthony Quinn, Yafet Koto and wonderful actors. Uh, and uh, my friend Ben Ed Bernard and, and uh, on, Oh, wonderful, wonderful actors. So I did that film, and then I knew I had to get to LA because if I wanted to continue in, in film, that I would have to, you know, move to Los Angeles. So I got a, I got a role uh, in a play at first, uh, *Dream of Monkey Mountain*, and I came out and did that play, and then I also did a play, a film called *Cleopatra Jones*. <laughs>
0: Man,
2: that road is ten miles of bad road. Um, of Adoption, and and then I came back to New York, and then I heard about uh, I I I was living. I went to L. A. stayed, and I was hungry and working, looking for a phone. Called something for my agent and my manager called me and said that he, that that Barry Shear, was had recommended me for a role in a new pilot called Starsky and Hutch, and he also recommended Dick Ward, who was in Amen Corner with me, but also was in Cross 110th Street with me, and so I got the role of Huggy Bear because Barry Shear recommended me to Spelling and Goldberg, he also recommended. My act, fellow actor, Dick Ward, who played the, the boss in uh, the Black boss of uh, Harlem in the Cross 110th Street. So we both got the pilot. Um, so the rest is history. But things have changed, though. Uh, Dick Ward was replaced by, um, by another actor. Uh, and uh, um, Ernie Hamilton was the actor that he replaced Dick Ward and so we enjoyed four years but it was because of relationship because of someone recommended recommended me that i got the role of Huggy ben and, and you know it stuck with me and it still <laughs> sticks with me today you know because i guess i haven't changed too too much in my in my time so i'm also always recognized by that by that role and i and i embrace that you know so i don't want to be identified with you know with something that you know, a, a character for so long, but I embrace it. In fact, my son had, was called Huggy, Huggy Jr. When he, start, <laughs> when he started playing football and, uh, and got some attention, it was on television and so, so forth. But um, I got the role of Huggy Bear. And four years later and 45, I think we've been off the air almost for 43 years now. Mm. And we're still talking about Huggy Bear. And and I'm grateful for
1: that. Yes, it's a classic. It's a classic. Now, um, how has Hollywood changed in reference to respect for Black and brown actors and actresses? Have things really changed? Are we getting roles and being paid as equal, especially women?
2: Uh, I think you you can say that when I was doing television, the minority slot, was was almost exclusively for black or African American men, and mm-hmm. then women, then women, and then uh, then Hispanics were, uh, but you know, as time as time passed, you can look around and if anybody would say, you know, you look at Hollywood today, you'd say, we don't have any problems. Look at look at all of the mixtures and uh, and the, i call it the latte kids are taking over the world taking over the television mixed race mixed mix everything and uh so it's uh, it's a wonderful time with the demand for product that's out there today uh there's almost but the, but the respect for the craft is what i i um, is what i'm really concerned about is that we have a respect because people think you just walk off the street and, and do these things. And some people have, have done that. I didn't have any experience. I just walked off the, you know, out of the projects and was on a dream. Uh, but today you become famous as an athlete. You become famous for doing a commercial. You can, you know, celebrity is, is a lot different than actually being of substance for me, uh, as a as a journeyman actor or someone who deals with emotions and and able to open their heart and soul, and give to a character. Uh, but hey, it's a it's a better world. I couldn't I couldn't say it isn't. Um, but it's standing on the shoulders of the times when we didn't have, we weren't represented. Uh, some of the highest paid actors today, highest paid athletes today, all. African American or mixed mixed race and and I think it's a wonderful refreshing world and uh,
1: But they're standing on your shoulders because and many
2: others. You,
1: yes, yes, and many others, absolutely. Now I think I'm getting down to probably an interesting what question. What should I ask? Okay, this is it. What is your most favorite project you have worked on? I know you've worked on a lot, but (laughs) which one is your favorite project? You have to have one.
2: To be honest, uh, the greatest project or role I'll ever play is the role Antonio Fargas Oh. that's 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 a, a work in progress and I've lent. tonio has been lent out on loan so to speak yes. all of these other projects and and so, so the mothership has allowed me to be, be used in certain places like I said I, I don't put one thing over another one project over another, because it's the smallest thing. It's in the details. It's in the details. These actors who are into the details, or artists that are into the details. have to paint, dance, paint, dance, or play an instrument or sing. Uh, I see the beauty. I see the beauty of the gift. And I've been I've been just given a gift, that, and, and I've been used in a certain way. So my greatest project basically is try to be the best Antonio that I can be, best grandfather, the best husband, best friend, um, and that's on a on a daily basis. Best person, because if you
1: weren't, you wouldn't be on the Foxworth Theory. And uh, if you could change anything from your past, what would it be?
2: If I started loving myself sooner.
1: That's important. But that comes with age and time and
2: yes. the wear yes.
1: and tear of others. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. I agree with you. I am interested in what the legendary Antonio Vargas is telling us. It's an education. It is a docu- a small documentary of who he is and what he's done and how we have grown to appreciate him. Now, what's next for you, Mr. Fargas? What is next for you?
2: I, I try to live uh, each day, as I said, giving something back. Uh, that whole cliche about giving back, if you because as a young actor and a young person and on the journey, it's about you know, how much we could take, how much we could. And, and, and it really wasn't, if you get to be able to stay on the planet long enough to make that turn, where you're giving back. So giving back in my community here in Las Vegas or wherever I go, being encouraging, uh, leaving a parking place open for others, you know, not getting upset, uh, finding peace and serenity. Uh, I don't worry about what the next job is. Uh, I think, um, you know, it's, it's a young person, young people's world, and I'm trying to make it as, leave it as a little bit better than, than when I when I arrived and be a part of that, be a part of the success of being us or being supportive of the young people. Oh. So, um, I did a film, uh, last year under, on the COVID, under COVID restrictions, uh, in a film in, a film in St. Kitts in the, in the Caribbean. Um, I think that's going to be released soon. And the year before that, I did another film in England. Uh, so that's the last major, major projects that I've done. And, uh, again, I, I just know that the sun comes up tomorrow. And I'll always have some opportunity to uh, be the best I can be and lend myself to hopefully to another project if that's what what it calls for.
1: Well, I think it's been a marvelous visit. I don't even call it uh, a podcast. This was a visit. And the only thing missing is the food around the table and our sitting (laughs) So, <laughs> uh uh-huh. <laughs> So, what I would like to ask you is this: I know you said the next films that you you will be doing that should be released in December, but how can we follow you? Um, social media?
2: Or um, I'm not I'm not a big social media person. Uh, I guess I'm old school. Uh, I like to call people up. I like people to have my email. I do have a website, AntonioFargas.com, if you want to look at that. Uh, yes, I do have a Facebook presence that I uh, am not to, to get involved in because uh, I think there's some great benefits of being able to connect with people you haven't seen and, and know you, and and it's a, a wonderful world that makes us closer and closer together. But I I always believed that I didn't, I thought I needed to be in the in crowd all the time. And I realized that the out crowd is the best crowd to be in. So, so yes, you can follow me on social media, but again, it's 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 watching the wheels and watching the world go by, which is really a, a pleasant thing for me. Step aside, graciously, um allow and allow the process to happen which is the world and everything that's happening acceptance is a key for me to uh to not try to change things or wish or wish to change the past or to have regrets all of that I think everything happened for me to be here right now with you on this podcast was part of the journey and I'm grateful to be part of that
1: I am so grateful to you. I'm so appreciative. That's why I had to stumble through in the beginning because of the excitement. But thank you, thank you so much. Um, I want to thank you for joining us. and I know that I am our audience is thankful. And I am thankful to the audience, to you, to my team. I'm also thankful to the um, Harlem, excuse me, to the Harlem America Digital Network and Voice America Variety Channel for allowing me to have this opportunity to speak to you. The Foxworth Theory is on every Wednesday, at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you, everyone. Travel safely, be safe, be careful, and I hope to see you again, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening and viewing the Foxworth Theory.
0: Thank you for listening to the Foxworth Theory. Be sure to join us for new shows every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel, and the shows are also available on the Harlem America Digital Network. We'll talk again next week.